Hello, and welcome to the HPBA Hotcast. With me today is Corey Krill, HPBA's Manager of State Energy Policy. He started in this role just a few months ago, but has years of experience in public policy. In this episode, we'll be discussing what he's doing at the state level to benefit our members and the industry. Welcome to HPBA, Corey. I mean, you've been with us for a couple months. How's there, How are things going? Things are going great. It's been exciting to be a part of the team and uh, learn the ropes. We have great folks at HPBA and uh, have hit the ground running in my first 90 or so days. So you're the state manager for energy policy. So talk to me about what that means. That's correct. So what I've been tasked to do is to um, identify states and cities where um, there's some energy policy that some of it good some of it not so good, um, and it impacts our consumers, our dealers, um, and manufacturers, and, and try to have the best uh, policy outcomes possible for them. Some of the things we're seeing across the country are um, forced electrification, where cities and counties may choose to uh, mandate that certain energy uh, sources, like you know, like natural gas or something like that. Right. So they mandate the uh, the use of solely electricity, um, where in places they've used natural gas previously. Um, and what we want for our consumers and, and certainly for our manufacturers and dealers and, and affiliate members, the retailers, is to give consumers the choice to use whatever fuel they think is best to heat their home. And there's a myriad of reasons as to why that's the best course going forward. Um, our, our goal at HPBA, and, and I'm assuming uh, you know worldwide, is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and have a a better, more sustainable environment, but flipping the switch overnight um, and going completely electric may not be the best solution right now. Uh, we have to use natural gas as a bridge fuel moving forward. Um, it's a low carbon fuel, so um, it, it's something that can help get us to the to the future that we all want. So, what are some examples of some states that are or cities that are taking action that that would take away that choice from the consumer? Sure. So. A few states that have uh, bills filed now are, are Maryland. Um, there is an omnibus greenhouse gas reduction bill there um, that would move the date for uh, no new gas installation and construction to 2023. That's one of the tactics some folks have taken to try to reduce emissions is to eliminate that as a, as a fuel choice uh, in new construction, um, you know, us, us ostensibly stopping uh, the proliferation of gas lines being laid across the country uh, to new construction and new home starts. Um, and that really just eliminates a fuel choice for consumers. Uh, and we're trying to get the message out to folks that, um, you know, who may be in the market for a new home or a major reconstruction of their home, um, that, that this, you know, prohibition could be there uh, in their municipality or state. Um, so we're working with stakeholders um, across a, a myriad of, of industries, um, the Propane Gas Association, uh, the Restaurant Association, who's a, a, a big proponent and ally of ours, um, to make sure that uh, those fuel choices are there for the consumers. So if if society, if, if the U.S. were to go to all electric, I mean, could the grid even handle that? Sure. So as it stands now, um, if we were able to flip the switch overnight and move 100% to electric uh, and remove all gas burning uh, equipment, stoves, um, water heaters, the grid would not be able to handle that increase in demand. Um, and secondarily, if it were able to handle that demand, 
the uh, amount of electricity that would need to be generated would be so much that we'd have to burn more fossil fuels to be able to to keep up with with the demand, the generation demand. And that also makes me think about the places that have had big power outages. And in some areas, those outages, you know, after a hurricane or a a blizzard, that, that could last days or weeks. And if you're all electric... You can't even charge your car. That's right. And uh, that's one of the the main talking points that we try to stress to folks is that um, energy security really is national security. And when you move to um, a sole source of energy for your city, town or state or country, um, you really become susceptible to natural disasters or any sort of um, thing that could that could ruin the, you know, your ability to charge what you need, whether it's your car or keep your house warm, uh, et cetera. There are certain parts of the country, I'd imagine, that it makes a lot of sense for them to use either natural gas or propane or even wood to heat to heat their homes and to make them all go onto the, onto the electrical grid just doesn't make sense. Right. And there's parts of the country where um, a heat pump will sufficiently warm a house to a comfortable temperature, but there's other parts of the country where that's not the case. And uh, having a f- gas furnace is more economical um, and in those colder temperatures keeps the house at a comfortable, uh, a comfortable setting. You also think about some of the consumers who enjoy fireplaces uh, as, you know, an aesthetic piece of their home and an amenity that they enjoy. Um, and some of these bills that would remove that ability to have those um, is, is really short-sighted considering the small amount of emissions that, that our products put out. So you'd mentioned that we're also supporting certain legislation that would ensure consumers have a choice in the energy source for their homes. Can you talk about a couple examples of where that's happening? Sure. So in the state of Virginia, they have a fuel choice bill, which would ostensibly uh, prohibit municipalities, cities, or counties from banning the use of a certain fuel choice. It would maintain uh, consumers' choice of fuel. Um, And that bill has passed out of the first house and is now in the Senate. um, And we're waiting for its committee hearing. Um, There are other states where there's similar legislation working. In Pennsylvania, there's a bill um, last session before I came aboard HPBA. They had a bill that passed both chambers. Uh, It was not signed by the governor. Uh, And now we're looking at Pennsylvania to potentially pass this year, uh, as well as Nebraska. There's a bill working, although it's just on committee. Um, my job is really heated up at the beginning of this year when legislative sessions have started, uh, and it runs about until the end of May. Um, some state legislatures go farther into a, a whole year session, uh, but I would say the lion's share end uh, by the end of spring. So we first saw this electrification concept pop up, I think, in Berkeley a couple years ago. At the city level, the city council had implemented a policy about gas lines in new residential homes, and correct me if I'm wrong. And it's really spread from there. We're seeing it a lot in Massachusetts, California, the Pacific Northwest. Where else is it really an issue? So starting in 2023 in New York City, um, any new building that's constructed will not be allowed to have a gas hookup, which is extremely short-sighted considering the climate there um, and the the need for gas uh, in what would be a seven-story building, whether that is a restaurant who needs it for their gas burners, whether it's a hotel who may have a pool that has to be heated or their laundry system, which needs to be run on gas because uh, the electricity demand simply can't keep up. Um, When you think about 
a city like New York with its residents uh, densely populated, moving to all electric is really a regressive tax considering um, when you move away from a cheap fuel like natural gas, electricity is more expensive. And every incremental dollar your bill goes up every month, that's a tax on those who can least afford it. Um, That's another uh, issue that we don't highlight enough, that cheap fuel really helps uh, Americans lower and middle class. You bring up a good point about I just don't know if consumers are aware that this is happening. I mean, that's one of our our goals, of course, is to let people know that sometimes at the last minute, a, a town or a city might be out there passing building code, building code changes or new energy codes or what have you that would take away this choice. Right. And it's something that um, the advocates for the environmental change have done a good job of sort of masking their um, their tactics. It's not always the case that there's a bill filed that explicitly says you can't use gas after X date. Um, They've used ways to uh, cap potential emissions. They've used what are called stretch or reach codes where they go through a regulatory process and they have um, these bureaucrats use the the building codes to change what could be allowed to be built. Um, And that makes our job in government affairs a little bit harder rather than just searching 50 legislatures for these potential bills, we now have to track um, different city ordinances. um, And there's a myriad of ways that they try to to prohibit the use of gas and in, in turn, have consumers have less choices. I think consumers would be very interested to realize that they wouldn't be able to have their gas stoves. So many people prefer to cook on gas. The fireplaces, obviously, I mean, people love fireplaces. They love to sit in front of a fire and taking it away is just seems like a not, they're not communicating that very clearly. And that's what we're trying to do is make sure people understand the consequences of going all electricity. Right. And apart from just the, 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 ability to have a cheap, reliable fuel. I talked about the aesthetics of a fireplace. Um, you know, being able to cook on gas is is far more efficient. It's quicker. Um, and until the technologies, you know, of electric stovetops or induction cooking catch up, um, there, there really is no need to be so hasty in, in removing what's a low carbon fuel. Um, the energy industry has already moved away slowly from coal, which burns uh, at, a, at a less efficient rate. Natural gas burns much cleaner uh, and there's less waste. And we think that it's the right course forward to bridge the gap to the technology of the future. So we've talked a lot about what you're doing here. I mean, is there anything else that you think the consumer should know or our retailers should know? I mean, they're out there trying to sell these products. We're trying to keep these products allowed in their homes. I mean, what can a what can a retailer do to help? Sure. So I mentioned earlier about the uh, busy time for me when state legislatures are in session. Um, coming this summer, I'm hoping to reach out and get into the field and, and meet with retailers. Uh, and the best way to help preempt some of these potential uh, legislative challenges is having a retailer or a manufacturer or distributor meet with their local legislator or senator or uh, city council person uh, and invite them to their store, to their factory, to their warehouse. Show them 
the work that you do in their community, um, the amount of constituents you employ, uh, and they're happy to come uh, meet with you, take pictures, shake hands, kiss babies, um, because that's really all, all politics is local, and, and they love to to be a part of the community. Um, and while they're there, share a little bit about what you do, the industry. Um, they may have a fireplace, but they may not know how it works or um, who would be the sweep that would come out to check it every year. Um, and they enjoy that, and then they can put a face to the name. So if in that community there's a hearing, you know the person who's going to be testifying for it and, and you can make that connection. That's something we talk a lot about, that the our, our retailers are your quintessential small business. They're, they're family-owned, they employ people in the community, they contribute to the economic bottom line, and they have a lot more influence on these elected officials than, for instance, we would if we went in as, as the HPBA national because we're just the outsiders. And it, I think if I were an elected official, I would want to listen to the people who are employing the voters. Right. No doubt. It's it's way more impactful to have testimony from an employer who is in the district versus someone who flies in who has talking points and real no connection to, to, the, to the area. Well, and of course, HPBA would always be happy to help help people come up with their testimony, give them some ideas. I mean, we wouldn't leave our retailers to figure this out on, all on their own, but we're here to help. No doubt. And and we'll be putting on a government affairs academy, uh, and we would invite anyone who's able to make it to come out and learn how to give uh, testimony and how to connect, um, you know, very, very well with your legislator um, and happy to help any way I can. I'm happy to facilitate these emails and um my information is on our website. Feel free to reach out. That sounds great. Thanks so much for joining us, Corey, and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. As the Trade Association for the Barbecue and Hearth Industries, we want to provide updates on the topics that affect us all. For more information, visit us at hpba.org and follow us on our social media channels. Be on the lookout for our next episode coming soon. 